Welcome to the WealthStream Podcast. The team at Hightower Great Lakes share their insights and passions for empowering their clients to live their best life. In this energetic podcast, we will take you on a journey to help you navigate your financial future, overcome life's challenges to reach your financial goals, and find the financial clarity you've been searching for. Let's explore the downstream impact of your wealth and what it means to you, your family, and your community to live greater. Hello and welcome to The Wealth Stream with Tim Scannell. Today we're going to be talking about lifelong learning, which I think is incredibly important, and I know you do too, Tim. Good morning. How are you? Uh, you know, I'm doing great. Thank you very much. All right. Today, like I said, we're talking about lifelong learning. What are we talking about? I mean, are we talking about lifelong learning in general, like every type of subject? Are we talking one specific subject? I guess it all relates to our primary goal when we help entrepreneurs, business owners, we're helping them prepare for their sale, their business to exit, mm-hmm. ultimately then using the proceeds to you know, make sure that they're getting the maximum return on life. Then ultimately after that, you know, making sure they're passing that wealth down to the next generation. So really lifelong learning that I want to talk about today really relates specifically to the processes we have in place to help them help our clients prepare the, uh, the next generation for to receive the wealth to make sure it benefits them. Yep. And a lot of these podcasts that we've done have obviously they focus around that business transition, exiting a business. Can you give us just a little bit of what we spoke about on the last podcast? Just kind of refresh our memories. Sure. I guess when I talk to our, our clients, when I do research about, you know, a generational wealth planning for the wealthy, what they'll tell you or what you'll find is that the cause of wealth transfer failures, I guess, would be really not so much that the attorneys or accountants didn't do a good job. A lot of times it's really the fact that there's poor communication, lack of transparency between the generations, between the siblings, between parents and grandparents, et cetera. And and really what that does is that creates a lot of family dynamics uh, issues. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it all really goes, or I should ties back to just lack of information sharing. So um, we talked last time about family meetings and family meetings as a tool that a lot of families will use to, I guess, address those issues, to mm-hmm. create the transparency, to create better and more communication, to prepare you know, the next generation to receive the wealth. Yeah, open communication. Um, yeah, open, exactly. And I think last time I, I talked about you know, a sample meeting agenda for one of the meetings we coordinated where you know, they got together uh, at a nice resort. They kind of checked in in the morning, had breakfast, reviewed, mm-hmm. and then they talked about family financial status. So, you know, the advisors came in, they kind of talked about the mission statement, uh, and then they kind of transitioned into what I call the lifelong learning discussion or plan. Um, and that's this is really, I guess, this is what I wanted to focus on mostly today. All right. Sounds good. Lifelong learning plan or program, what does that entail? Well, basically... One of the things that we do when we help clients set up a lifelong learning plan is, first of all, we have experience doing it. We've got processes that we've gathered through a lot of different resources, a lot of different families we work with. We've got a highly certified team. But when we do this with clients, it really starts with their goals. Uh, We try to draw out kind of what behaviors that they want to encourage among their family members, what kind of values they want to instill or pass along to the next generation. And then also we spend a lot of time kind of identifying what skill sets the family members have and then also what skill sets that, you know, need to be developed. And I guess when we bring this up with different clients, 
the first question we'll typically get is, you know, why do we need to do this? <laughs> because it is a lot of work. And, and I think what we find with experience, but also just through research, is that smart owners who are trying to transfer the wealth need to have smart beneficiaries. And they need to protect their kids, their grandkids from predators that are out there trying to take advantage of them. And so mm-hmm. the education process oftentimes really helps the next generation protect the wealth wealth for themselves, but also for the their future. Hey, Tim, let me ask you a question. I don't want to throw you off track here, but what is one of the most surprising things that you've encountered during one of these family meetings or, or during one of these uh, lifelong learning plans and discussions that kind of threw you for a loop or really you, you were able to help change for a family? Initially, when we started doing them, it was surprising, but uh, the surprising in the sense that there's always this aha moment, or typically is there an aha moment where uh, you'll find a parent and a child or a parent and grandchild uh, conclude all of a sudden that they had completely different perspectives mm, yeah. on some issue, um, and the issues vary. And and I say it was surprising, and now it's not, because really that's when I see that, I know we're making progress. But that's really how I measure success. If all of a sudden... Uh, you know, two different people or groups of people see each other's perspectives and kind of change how they they approach those dynamics. That That's the most surprising. It's not anymore because it's so common. Yeah. And, and I, I think that would be such a huge relief off of a, off of a family in general, especially I'll say grandparents, but I mean the people, I guess, who I would identify as your clients, the people that you're running this for uh, or doing this for, I think that would be such a huge relief for them to be able to say, okay, now they get it, right? Now, now my family understands what my what my desires truly are. Even though they may have said it, it, it took you guys to kind of bring it to the table and say it maybe in a different way or help the the rest of the family to actually listen with very open ears and open hearts to what their what their desires or wants or, or needs are. Exactly, because when we talk to clients um, who are going through the process of preparing the estate plan, the tax plan, generational wealth planning, mm-hmm. You know, the, and we ask them what their biggest challenges are. They they typically, the number one issue is, I just want to make sure that my children are productive adults. My grandchildren are productive adults. And I want to make sure that whatever wealth we transfer to them, you know, is a source of opportunity, satisfaction. It helps them fulfill their life. And they just want to be, you know, make sure that the children are prepared also for the responsibilities, because mm-hmm. there's a, a tremendous amount of responsibility when you receive especially large amounts of wealth to the community, to the history, to the legacy, et cetera. So that's what clients tell us. And so oftentimes we we try to drive the um, education plan around that. And, you know, all you have to do is look around and read the paper and you can see just so many examples mm-hmm. of situations where it didn't work, right? I mean, I think the most recent one I saw was, you know, Johnny Depp, um, famous actor, filing bankruptcy. Um, but even... Like uh, Lisa Marie Presley is a great example where she filed bankruptcy, you know, after receiving the the wealth from her father Elvis. Or, mm-hmm. but there's also I think examples where you know our education plans try to focus on protecting the next generation. For example, like Tim Duncan, famous basketball player. You know, he's going through a process where he's suing his former financial advisors because there was fraud. Mm. Uh, you know, so you have to really pre- understand how to read financial statements. And there's a lot of things that you don't have to be a CPA, but you just have to know basics so that you're you're going to protect yourself, protect your kids, your grandchildren from fraud also. 
Yeah, absolutely. And having a team around you um, is so important to do that. So where do you begin in this process, Tim? Well, generally what we do in the beginning is we uh, we try to establish, I guess we say we, we start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. And what that means to us is we talk to the family and we try to get as many people involved in these conversations uh, to identify what the goals are. So when I talk to the parents, but also to the kids, you know, what are what are the goals for an education plan? For example, um, I have one client who sold a business in about a year and a half ago, and his passion is first responders. His passion is, um, you know, firefight, you know, volunteer firefighters. You know, you go to a city like Chicago or New York, et cetera, and you have paid firemen. But across the country, if you look at it, the majority of firemen are volunteer. Mm. And he, his passion is really to set up a foundation and a funding mechanism to help train and support those people. And so that became a really important driver for um, the education plan because that's a really important driver for them. So, you know, finding out what goals they have are really critical. Mm-hmm. Um, the, the next thing we do really is when we talk to the parents and when we look to the next two generations, we try to help them develop uh, through a series of questionnaires, you know, what are what are the strengths that some of your children, grandchildren have? Uh, obviously, not, they're not all known because, you know, mm-hmm. at different ages. Uh, and then what are those skill sets that maybe we need to focus on to develop um, areas where they're not expertise in? Um, you know, when I look at my own family, uh, I have a son. I have a son who's an actor. I have a son who's uh, focused on um, animation. Uh Yet they're both, all, you know. So you think of that as artsy, and you know, I'm a, I'm an accountant, but <laughs> I've, so, but I found that they are uh, really super entrepreneurial, and also uh, very responsible financially. Um, so I don't necessarily would, ha- I don't necessarily need to focus on, you know, reading balance sheets or account financial statements with them because they seem to have a pretty good handle on it. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you know, I might work on some other areas where, like, uh, philanthropy might be a focus that I might. Or help them with. Yeah, or investing. Maybe they don't know much about investing, but um, something that they're going to need to learn if they, especially when they become successful uh, as artists or or actors. um, Exactly. They they don't want to. You don't want them buying a gold toilet, right? No, that's Uh, right. You don't want them to be Johnny Depp. Or that's. I think that's MC Hammer. (laughs) Yeah, I think MC Hammer had a gold toilet before he went bankrupt. Yeah, definitely, definitely very important. So it it almost sounds like you're running a SWOT analysis, right? For the for the for the family, in a way. Exactly, and then. Like um, I, I work with a number of entrepreneurs, business owners, and understandably, uh, they they would also like to promote entrepreneurship, and, mm-hmm. and so do I. And so that's maybe one of the behaviors you want to encourage. So we try to talk to clients about, you know, when we create this education plan, uh, what kind of behaviors you, you do you want to create, and and one of the best um, uh, things I've found is a program through junior achievement. I mean, I think a lot of people might've heard about it. A lot of people might be aware of it. I taught a few, uh, volunteer junior achievement classes in high schools around, around the area, but also in some middle schools and they have phenomenal tried and true proven financial education curriculums that are just wonderful. Um, and, and they're, they're very, uh, they really promote entrepreneurship. So, I've tried to take some of those uh, also and, you know, apply those with some of my clients and incorporate them into some of our education plans. That's great. I like that. And then the other one is, you know, what values 
another category, I should say, is what values does the client want to instill? And, you know, an example of there is um, we oftentimes will recommend clients set up a donor advised fund mm. and put money in there and then get uh, their children or grandchildren uh, involved in picking where that money goes. And a lot of times we'll just say, like right now, you know, Thanksgiving is this week. Um, the, the Christmas holidays come in a month. Those are phenomenal opportunities where you're connecting with children and grandchildren to bring those topic up, to have topics up, to have those conversations and to get them involved in donor advised funds so you can help instill values. And, and that's, that's part of an education plan. So it doesn't have to be going to school. Yeah, the, Tim, I just a visual just literally flashed in my head when you said that with the donor advice fund. I really liken it to uh, teaching a kid how to ride a bike, right? I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's you have them on the bicycle; they've got their helmet on. Uh, for some of the parents out there, they've got knee pads on, elbow pads, you know, skid mark things, whatever you call them, and and uh, they're, the kid is bubble wrapped, maybe. Uh, but you're running alongside the bicycle. You're holding onto the back of the seat, or you're holding. You've got a hand on the child, and you've got a hand on the bike, guiding them as they're trying to get that balance, right? Find that balance so that they can take off. And that I think that's the picture that I I think of when you do something like a donor advice fund, or you're you're having them come to a charity and help you alongside you to see why it's so important to you. Any of those teaching opportunities, those moments. I really think it's kind of like that where you're getting ready to let them go, but they've got to find that balance before that happens. Exactly. And and those are, you know, they're op- like you just said, teaching opportunities. That's really what they are. Yeah. And so you think of the, your own calendar. You don't have to schedule these formal events. I mean, I recommend you do, but even if you can't, you take advantage of opportunities where you're going to be together as mm-hmm. these teaching opportunities. So what else could you be doing? I, I think when you're, when you're looking at how to design a plan or looking at things to do, we look at it as you're trying to, there's a few skills you're trying to help the next generation master. You know, for example, I want to make sure that they understand where the money came from, the values, the history of the money, mm-hmm. because this, your kids probably do because they see you as your parents, but the grandchildren and, and great grandchildren are so far removed from how the money was generated that um, an education plan is really valuable for helping them understand it and respect it. But also, we really need to, at the very least, you know, make sure that the children and grandchildren are getting just your basic financial you know, literacy, mm-hmm. how to read an income statement, what is a balance sheet. They don't have to be accountants or CPAs. They don't have to be finance majors. They should know savings, investing, just basics at the very least. Yeah. And also awareness of just basic legal. They may be a trustee. They may be asked to be a trustee. You know, they at the very least, you know, we want to have an attorney involved just describing at the very least some basic information about um, understanding of the legal duties and rights, et cetera. Also, we want to introduce them to financial advisors, the attorney, the CPA, the trust officer, uh, the investment manager, because they're going to have to work with these people and they're going to want to develop a team that can work with them over their lifetime. And so if I'm working with a grandparents or parents, I really work, I really stress that I'm 56. If the kids are maybe in their 30s or 40s, I need to help them develop a team that's closer to their age mm-hmm. because I want them to have a strong team of advisors that they can work with for the next, you know, 20, 30 years. Yeah, absolutely. So those are the skills we're trying to master, I should say. Oh, that's great. No, I mean, it makes perfect sense. 
And then as we're designing, as we get into the nuts and bolts and as we design a specific you know, uh, education plan, we might have information on budgeting, spending, savings, you know, investing, like you mentioned earlier, reading financial reports. You know, I look back and I think with Tim Duncan, because I've read about the fraud he's, he's accused his advisors of, and some of that might have been prevented if he had just been paying a little more attention. I'm not blaming him at all. The advisors might have done something terrible. Mm-hmm. But basic information about that would, would be helpful. One thing we, we've started to incorporate in the last year or two is very specific investing topics that clients have asked for, like impact investing. Hmm. You know, How can I make sure that when I am investing the money, that it's not that the investments I'm making are not supporting things I don't like. That could be uh, cigarettes. Mm-hmm. You know, that could be uh, guns. I mean, that, that these are issues clients have come up. Uh, or also, how could it support causes I'm for? There's green funds. There's uh, environmental funds. There's all kinds of things that we can help and we can customize. Uh, but we like to offer little clinics or, or um, meetings that cover impact investing. And another one that we've really tried to introduce in the last year and a half, two years, is um, and women investing. Mm-hmm. And I know investing is investing, but the reality is that um, you know there's there's different preferences, different styles, different things people want to do. So Mackenzie uh, in our office is a CFP, and she's focused a lot of her energy on really coming up with very specific programs addressing directly addressing women. And those have been very well received. Yeah, Tim, I applaud you because that is such a huge area. As a coach and a consultant, I have helped uh, a few different advisors start women's groups that mm-hmm. have absolutely exploded because they take the the they take all the wonder out of it. They they just have uh, meetings with all the ladies, and it's ladies only, uh, so they they feel very empowered, and they're being they, they learn things. They get to ask open questions, and the, each. Each meeting has its own theme, and it sounds like you're kind of doing a lot of the educational pieces that is much needed because just historically, uh, and this is not to be sexist, but historically, men have done most of the decision-making with the investments. Just This goes way back into the 40s and 50s when they, were, they had their pension, they, had their, they were the primary breadwinner, and so we're trying to get out of that so we can empower these ladies to ask the questions that need to be asked and know all the ins and outs of different types of investing. Like you said, they, they might have a passion for some values-based investing or, or BRI type investing, and they can find those answers at these types of uh, workshops and, and seminars. Yeah. And so, yeah, exactly. We have found that people are really asking for it. And understandably, you know, we're trying to deliver that and it's being really well received. That's awesome. That's great to hear. The other factors that we look at when designing a formal plan, and again, all these factors depend on what the client is looking for, what the skill sets they have and don't have. But we'll cover estate planning. Sometimes we'll get into specifically prenuptial agreements or special needs trusts. These are unique documents that some clients are are very interested in having part of their plan. Mm -hmm. Responsibilities as trustees, but what is, you know, the different beneficiary tax impacts, philanthropy. You know, one of the big ones we're also focusing a lot on and you can imagine why is social media. <laughs> oh, yes. And I mean, we're really, we're incorporating a lot of social media and security now into our education plans because 
the family name is the family brand. That's that we consider that part of wealth. We consider the ability to transfer the name, the legacy down to the next generation as really important, maybe more important than transferring money. The world of social media out there is just it could be super damaging very quickly. And, you know, training for that training for security, the ha- you know, preventing hacking that that's become a more and more important part of all of our plans. Absolutely. The the war front is not just in the field. It's it's the uh, cyber cyber crimes that are happening that that are uh, just really doing some serious damage. So, yeah, I agree. And then, you know, once we design a plan, we come up with a specific criteria that the family wants. We try to identify then, you know, OK, what resources do we have to go out and get? What what resources or programs are out there? So do we need facilitators, for example, for some of these? Should we go out and get some curriculum guides for others. You know, one of the things we found has been helpful is I know again where Thanksgiving is this week, with the holidays oftentimes when you're not watching football or when you're not uh eating, people like to have do puzzles, have board games. Mm-hmm. Well there's a number of great financial board games or just games in general that also have education in them. My wife actually pointed out there was an article she read this week that they've developed a new version of Monopoly where, you know, instead of buying real estate for the millennials, they're buying experiences, right? So, I mean, it's kind of funny, but that's an example of a huh. of a hundred-year-old board game that is adapting to this next generation. Interesting. Yeah, and last year, I went out and got a virtual reality headset system, and I watched my two sons play this game called uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes. <laughs> Sounds like a crazy title, but... <laughs> that's interesting. It, it's literally it's it's one person with the virtual reality headset and he's you know he's somewhere near a bomb and then there's the other person with a microphone speaker who is reading out of a book and together they have to defuse the bomb <laughs> without getting exploded huh. and you know but it was so intriguing watching them that as they went on and on and did this and working together and collaborating, they just they got better at it and they <laughs> quit exploding. But it was just kind of a neat educational virtual reality tool. So th- there's things out there like that. I've never heard of that. That is really neat. Yeah, I mean, I even, you know, so my animation son, uh, I've, I've identified there's some comic books out there that, you know, one's called Saving the Day, mm-hmm. and it's literally about saving. So, you know, you can really customize to skill sets and come up with some unique um, examples of your ed- in your education plan. Yeah, and they can be fun. So that's that's, yeah. that's great. And, and I think everything that I read says, regardless of what you put in the plan, regardless of the resources you add to it, you really have to make it consistent. You have to try and make it measurable, measurable in the sense that maybe you just rehash and say, hey, that wasn't a good idea. Maybe that was. The parents really have to try, if possible, to put some funding mechanism behind it. You know, whether it's a, I've had clients set up a very specific fund for education. I've also had clients agree to pay for a big family trip where education Mm -hmm. becomes maybe half a day of it. Mm -hmm. But I think that it works best when the family funds it, puts some money towards it, or at least effort and resources, but also does it consistently. So it cannot be just like a one-off. Exactly. Yep. Consistency is key for anything, any type of education, any type of learning. I mean, come on, who took Spanish in junior high or high school and doesn't know anything? <laughs> exactly. I didn't keep it up. So yeah, hola, that's about it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, I, I took German in high school and then, 
four years later went to Germany and I tried my best and they would look at me and say, okay, thank you for trying, but what do you want? You know? <laughs> yeah, let's just talk English. Let's speak English. Exactly. That's funny. All right. What, what else do we have to cover today, Tim? Well, I think I've covered what we do, the, how we go through the process of identifying, creating, mm-hmm. you know, getting uh, resources together for a plan. One of the things I want to maybe cover at the next podcast is something uh, another tool. So we talked about family meetings and we talked about incorporating lifelong learning within them. One of the pieces of lifelong learning for me anyway, as a bias towards entrepreneurship is uh, a learning process that we create that we call a family bank. And mm. um, I thought maybe next time we, the next podcast, we could talk specifically about how we create a family bank, how we incorporate that into the family meetings, lifelong mm. learning plans and really improve communication uh, about entrepreneurship and improve education about entrepreneurship. But it also is a really good tax planning tool. So there's really, it's kind of a triple whammy. I really like it. Okay. Next podcast, creating a financial bank. Yes. Sounds good. All right. Do you have any closing thoughts for us today? Uh, I'll just leave you with that. Again, we're fiduciary advisors for our clients and our families. And if you're a business owner, entrepreneur, it's, it's really never too early to plan, not just for the exit of your business, but the preservation of your wealth, and then ultimately the transfer of that wealth to the next generation. And it's definitely never too early to start communicating and preparing, communicating with and preparing that next generation for receiving the wealth. And we have a very highly certified, experienced team, and we'd love to work with you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you so much for your time today, Tim. Thank you. I appreciate it. You bet. And thank you all for listening to the Wall Stream Podcast with Tim Scannell. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Tim comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks so much for listening today. For everyone at the Wall Stream Podcast, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day. And we'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to the WealthStream Podcast. We hope you gained some valuable insight that you can apply to your life and share with others. Please don't forget to subscribe below to be notified when new episodes become available. And don't forget to live greater. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Hightower Great Lakes. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Hightower Great Lakes is a group of investment professionals registered with Hightower Securities, LLC, member FINRA and SIPC, and with Hightower Advisors, LLC, a registered investment advisor with the SEC. Securities are offered through Hightower Securities, LLC. Advisory services are offered through Hightower Advisors, LLC. 